And good evening, Newark family, and welcome back once again to our Friday Night with Friends broadcast. I'm excited to be here once again with you tonight, and as you can see, I've kind of got a co-host, a new co-host with me tonight, Erica Palmer, and that will make sense in just a few minutes. And as you can also see with us, we have a husband and wife duo who are joining us for the first time on our Friday Night with Friends, and we are excited to have both Adam and Tanya Martinez joining us tonight for our Friday Night with Friends. Adam and Tanya Martinez are the youth slash hyphen pastors at Praise Tabernacle in Las Vegas, Nevada, and they're at one of our churches in Las Vegas, and we're excited to have them on tonight, and they're going to talk a little bit about their testimony and their areas of ministry involvement and what exactly it's like being at a church in the Las Vegas area. Now, for those of you who cannot immediately see the striking resemblance between these two ladies, and the reason that Erica Palmer is joining me tonight as co-host is because Tanya Martinez is Erica's sister. So for those of you who have not met her before, you can wave hi to our our congregation, Adam and Tanya are with us and you can go ahead and come off of mute at this time. And so we are delighted that they're joining us. For us, it's our evening broadcast. For them, it's the middle of the afternoon because they're a good three hours behind us. It's only four o'clock, but Adam and Tanya, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you so much for being willing to join us. And if you don't mind, I'd love to just jump right in. And so we around here are always encouraged by hearing people's testimonies. I know for myself and many of our people, it's uh, it's exciting. Well, we just love to hear what God is doing in other people's lives. So if you don't mind, and I know Erica's story and her own conversion and testimony is interwoven with part of yours, but if you don't mind just to start out with tonight, Adam, why don't you go first? And then Tanya, why don't you go ahead and just share with us a little bit about your own conversion and your testimony and, and how you came to have the walk with Jesus that you have today? All right. Thank you so much for having us, uh, Brother Lugo, and thank you so much, uh, United Pente uh, Newark United Pentecostal Church. Uh, uh, about our testimony, I would say uh, mine started when I was about six, about six years old. And okay. when I was uh, six, um, we had some things happening in the home. Uh, we ended up being put into the custody of my uh, aunt and uncle and Right there, we were raised in a uh, uh, United Pentecostal Church in Bakersfield, uh, actually Brother Mullings. Oh, yes. Ron Mullings, for those of you who may not know, for many, many years, he was the superintendent of the Western District. Rachel and I are well familiar with that. We were in Central California in Turlock for 10 years working in a church. And so, so we are well acquainted with the Mullings, wonderful people. So you, you spent part of your childhood in their church in Bakersfield, California. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. I was there for, for I, I want to say until my early teens. <clears throat> and then from there, I, I got into some trouble, um, ended up backsliding and, and doing the whole deal. Um, and along the way, I had met her. Um, and what's that? That's fine. <laughs> But um, what you see this that? private conferring going on in muted yeah. hushed tones between the husband and wife that that look like how much are you going to say or you, yeah, you share yeah. whatever you're comfortable with and no more. But somewhere in your teenage years, the two of you met. Exactly. Yeah, we met in uh, in where did we meet at? 
we met in San Fernando Valley. Okay. Okay. And you don't have to forgive me because I'm a little forgetful sometimes. So, so that's, that's all, all right. right. We're all there from time to time. Was but, it at Vons? Uh, what's that? The supermarket, right? That's at Vons. You got it. Eric. Yes. Got it. Met in a grocery store. Was one of you working at the grocery store, or you just it ran into? We 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 didn't uh, we didn't know that we both had worked there until um, I was involved in a little uh, little spill accident or whatever, and then I saw her and I said, "Hey, do you work here?" And uh, she said, "Yeah." I said, "Oh, great. Uh, can you tell me where the the mop and the broom is?" You know, and so that's how we met. So interesting. Met Very interesting. <laughs> That's quite the romantic interlude, isn't it? The two of you met at the grocery store where you worked after you spilled something on the floor. Yes, it was love at it first sight. my heart. Huh? Love at first sight, I'm sure, huh? <laughs> but uh, she saw me right away, fell in love with me. She, she said, oh my goodness, I got to... And she never looked back from there. Never, she saw you never. with that, that mop in your hand and it just, boom, she knew you were the one, huh? Yeah, I bet. Shining armor right there. No. But... Uh, so, so we met right there, and uh, you, you want to tell some sweetheart or sister Tanya, what, whatever you'd like me to call okay. you. Okay. Well, um, I guess jumping into <clears throat> partly mine. Um, sure. So Eric and I were raised Catholic and Buddhist, and mm -hmm. um, I would say I was probably the most devout Catholic in our family, and up until middle school when I had like a theological <laughs> revelation that nothing in the Bible matched what I learned in school. Um, and so I would oh. ask a lot of questions and so none of them would answer them for me. So, um, we would go from mass to the Thai temple and have, you know, bow to the big Buddha. So we'd go from mass to the, to the temple. And we would do that all the way up until we were teenagers. But during, so, so to give a little, just a little more context in case some of our, our listeners do not know this, your mother is what ethnicity? Filipino. And that's the Catholic background. And and your father is hi hi. And that's the Buddhist background. So you, you can see the Catholic and the Buddhist background. Yeah. Just wanted to give a little context. So in your teenage years, you you saw some discrepancy between what you read in the Bible and yet what you saw in mass. So um, I decided that I couldn't believe in something that didn't make any sense. So I went and did all different types of faith. Um, and probably around that time I started getting into witchcraft. So I was doing tarot cards and anything you can imagine. Um, I was a cutter. I was just a really distraught, angry teenager. And um, you were looking for something. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, and I could say at the time, I believed I was a little agnostic where I had a belief in a God, but I didn't know who because there was no answers. So I yeah. continued to do witchcraft up until actually I got the Holy Ghost. So um we moved to Las Vegas on a whim. I got a job offer and uh, we moved there just to kind of start over, get out of the San Fernando Valley. Who's the we? Us. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, we moved. Erica was in California and mm -hmm. um, then I guess you could yeah to the marriage part. so 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 yeah we moved we got married a little bit afterwards um uh -huh. shortly after i, I want to say shortly after we were married um i was very big into drinking very big into nightclubs and very big into drugs and all that other stuff uh and she had gotten to the point where she was tired of she was tired of all of that she was tired and she yeah. said 
I've got to go back to, to my mom's house and stuff. You know, this is just too much for me. You're too much for me and stuff. And so I said, that's fine. You go ahead and do that. And uh, I said, whatever you do, I want you to understand something. And she goes, what's that? I said, I got to get back to Jesus. I said, my world is so messed up and, and uh, I, I just can't keep living like this. I said, but I want you to understand something. I'm not doing this because of you. And so, so I started going uh, back to church. I actually got in contact with a couple of pastors out here and I went and I visited the uh, uh, I, I want to say maybe about two of the churches. Uh, one of the churches actually felt close to home, kind of felt uh, uh, what it was like when I was a boy. Yeah. And, uh, and so I went there for a little bit and it, it was, things were actually starting to come together. She was actually taking a look at me. She was going, my goodness, what's going on with him? He's not behaving the way he was. And so she decided right. to stick around and scope things out and stuff. And, as she's scoping it out, she's going, wait a second, this stuff is just going to fall apart. You know, this is all a facade. This guy's, you know, he, he's, he's just a nut right now, you know. And so she, after a little bit more of her scoping it out, she's okay. going, going, wait a second. If there's something going on with him and it's, it's this good and it's causing this change to come about in him, I've got to go check it out for myself. So, so Tanya did you begin to see some le legitimate changes in the way Adam was living in his behavior? Um, I would say so. Uh, he definitely did stop drinking and doing drugs. And I would say his overall behavior was better, but I didn't go right away. I think he was going for several months without me. Uh -huh. And um, he started witnessing to me and started talking to me about the Holy Ghost. And I told him that I've been there already. And if you can't show me in the Bible, I will not go to church with you. So he busted out the Bible um, and started showing me in the scripture. And I said, no, that's devil worship. I've seen it. And he said, oh. no, I can prove to you. He said, this is truth. And I said, okay, if you show me this is in the word, I said, I will go with you one time. If I don't see anything or feel anything, then I'm out of there. And so uh, I did go one time and I could say, you know, as most, most newcomers, it was a little weird for me. Had you ever been in a Pentecostal church before that? Okay, so this was brand new to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, Erica knows I was more of that angry teenager mosh pit kind of person. Yes. These piercings, you know, heavy rock music. So going to a okay. joyful, apostolic filled worship service was way out of my norm. And so weird. It was, yeah, it was weird. I, I'm not offended. You can say that. It was weird. You didn't know what to make of it. Yeah, our pastor basically said, he's, um, he's like, yeah, the first time I saw you, you looked like a deer in the headlights. Um, and that's pretty much what it was. I was looking around. I saw a lot of happy people. And I mm -hmm. thought for sure, um, it's got to be fake. Like, there's no way people. Really She's like, are they all on Prozac? Yeah, something? I literally you said, know? they all have to be on drugs. They're you thought they were all on drugs, huh? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, um and then uh, after meeting with our past with the pastor, I didn't go back for probably, I didn't go back at all. And he decided to meet with us one-on-one. -on -one. And um, the, the pastor of the church decided to meet with you. So you yeah. came to visit one time. It was quite overwhelming. And you thought, no, thank you. Yes. yes. But the pastor reached out to the two of you. Now, is this the same church that you two are at now? Yeah. Okay. So not only is this the church, we'll get to that in, in a minute that, that you're working in. It's, this is, this is your home church. 
This is where you came into a relationship with God. I see. So the pastor of Praise Tabernacle started talking to the two of you. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, he had pretty much felt from the Lord that I just needed the love of father Mm -hmm. in my life. And he's a very loving, loving man. Um, And he, he became like a father to us. Uh, us not having any family in Las Vegas. We literally left all our family in California. So, and how old are, are you still early twenties at this point? Um, I was 20. We were both 20. I was 21 because we got married yeah. at 20 and 21. So he was 22. Gotcha. When I was- so 21, 22, you're still pretty a young couple. You haven't been married that long. You don't have family in the area. This is a radical change. Yeah. yeah totally. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah. hidden, in, hidden in the background of this. Okay. So, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. See, I love this kind of stuff. I, I enjoy hearing people's testimony. So the pastor decides to meet with the two of you and he just makes a connection. He, he develops a relationship with the two of you. We sat down for, we sat down for about three hours in a McDonald's. Yeah. In a McDonald's. In a McDonald's. Okay. You know, just, just having a Coke and, and, and him getting to know us, us getting to know him and stuff. Yeah. And, just uh, visiting, huh? Just yeah. visiting. And uh, I, I could honestly say it's in, in things like that, that, you know, just taking the time to reach to somebody, taking the time to, I guess you could say slowing down enough to get to know somebody. That yeah. Really makes- right. Right. And so how long was it between that encounter and when, Tanya, you were willing to come back and visit the church again? Um, I went afterwards and I did really, I, I did explain to the pastor that I did feel something when I went there, but I just didn't understand. Um, the genuine worship was a little odd to me, but to see people weeping at the altar, people really felt that touch of God. I wanted to know what it was about. And so, um, that's when uh, he explained kind of things to me. He understood the background that I came from different faiths. I was into really messed up things and there was no judgment. Uh, when I came back to the church, I mean, I had, you know, wore whatever I wore and nobody said anything to me. I had my tattoos, piercings, tongue ring, nothing, nobody batted an eye. And I think that's what drew me in is that you automatically think people are going to judge you because you are in this holy place and they weren't like that. They but they were kind to you and they were friendly. Absolutely. They were kind. There was a lot of, um, I would say elders in the church mm-hmm. that they kind of embraced me, the elder ladies, and they wanted to try to help me seek the Lord and they would come and pray. But it was kind of funny when um, people would pray, you know, a lot of people like to come up and kind of tag team you and you got like sometimes eight people. And I don't know, my pastor just felt something and Erica would understand because I used to be in mosh pits, like there's a whole mess, like a whole mess of people just like ramming you. And so I got kind of like tense and I was like, I feel like I'm going to elbow this sister in the face. (laughs) (laughs) You have to fight your way out of here. Get back. It was really hard to concentrate. And I kind of opened my eyes at one point and the pastor was like, get away from her. (laughs) He only let one pulling people off of you and pushing them back. And yeah, it was really funny because, um, you know, being new and being in the background I was from, um, he was sensitive to the Holy Ghost and said, you know, she needs one person. She doesn't need this bombardment of people. She needs some space. 
Totally. I probably would have knocked somebody's dentures out, maybe. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so, so you came into church, you had, I, I'm obviously at some point you had your own Pentecostal experience. Yes. It was, you were filled with the spirit. Yes. I didn't actually get it at church. I was really bummed because I really felt like, you know, these people are trying to pray me through. And I got back to the house. Um, we lived in a one bedroom apartment that we painted all the walls black. So oh. I, I was determined facing that black wall that I was going to get the Holy Ghost. And so I asked my husband to pray with me. And um, I got the Holy Ghost facing this black wall with hot smoke and posters all over it and just black lights and looking all crazy. But I really want you know what it. that makes it even better, though. How authentic, yeah. right? Because God meets us where we're at. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And what I could say, just kind of the depressing mood that that place was in, um, it was a place that ended up being filled with joy. So it was something that wow. we looked at and I said, okay, these black walls are not condemning anymore. It's something that I can look at and say, wow, God changed me here at this place. Mm. So it was yeah. awesome. So, so I'm going to ask a question right now that's probably in the back of the minds of multiple people in our church. How, where does Erica intersect with this story? Oh, so you okay. have now come into this church. You've already told us that the two of you were raised going back and forth between a Catholic mass with your Filipino background and a Buddhist temple with your father's Thai background. And you find, you marry Adam, you move to Vegas you come into Pentecost. Now you've had this experience for yourself. If I understood you at this point, Erica's still living in California. Yes, she's still living in California. I would say we were in church probably two years and she mm -hmm. had two, two to three years and she had her kind of just a downward spiral in her life. And I was witnessing to her in, you know, the newcomer zealousness of need to get saved you need to get baptized. it was turn or burn you need this yeah. right now huh and knows i'm pretty straightforward so choleric uh, choleric pretty choleric i'm really erica is your sister very straightforward <laughs> yes i am too I'm but like, she's on a different level I'm a middle kid. <laughs> she's like deal with it suck it up buttercup like that and i'm like yeah. but but no i'm my feelings be nice <laughs> to me <laughs> She's not. She's not nice to me. No, I am now. Yes. Thanks for the Holy Ghost in your life. You know. <laughs> but so Erica, feel free to jump in too. At some point, your sister is sharing this, this experience with you that you need to have for yourself. What are you thinking? Um. Well, I. She took me uh, when I was living in Rochester, New York. When, that's where I had Aaliyah. Um, she came to visit me after I had her and I went with her to, she was explaining the whole apostolic Pentecostal. I went with her to the, the church that I ended up going to after Las Vegas, after going there. So, so did yeah. you take her to a church in New York, that area? Original yeah, first. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, I went there and I was like, Whoa, what is this? These people <laughs> are weird. They're like raising their hands up, praising Jesus. And I'm like, wow, this is, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, this is not for me. Nope. No, thank you. huh? <laughs> so, yeah. Nope. So like she said, three years, fast forward, downward spiral. Um, I don't really tell this people about my testimony, but I well, you don't have to share anything you're not comfortable with, but the no, point is fine. you're at a it's place fine. where you need to go. I'm fully God. fine. Cause it go, it, it aligns with them, but I actually came 
to the Lord through suicide. So that's how I got transferred to them. So literally fell to my failure. And then Tanya's like, you need to come over here. So I went over there and she basically was like, you know, you need, you need Jesus. So, and they pretty much picked me up off the ground from there. So. Yeah, we Bible studied her. And then on a Tuesday in our midweek service, she got the Holy Ghost. And wow, it was so awesome for us because we lived in a two stairs, two story Mm -hmm. uh, townhome. And she locked herself in our bottom stairs closet and prayed for three hours straight in, in, in tongues. And it was, we were literally upstairs just weeping because the quick change that God did in her life. I mean, so much joy. You could see it all over her. It was a complete difference. And it was incredible. She woke me up about two o'clock in the morning and she said, babe, she's been in there in that closet for the last three hours, just praying, talking in tongues. And that was the first night she had received the Holy Ghost. Yeah. It was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being willing to to share your testimony. Well, again, we love hearing people's stories. And it's neat to see how things intersect and how God can reach someone and then they can reach someone and then they can reach a family member. And here we are years later and Erica's a member of our congregation and most of our congregation is probably just getting to meet you, but it's a delight to have you on with us. For the sake of time, I'd like to move on to another question if that's all right. Why don't you tell us now, for you, Tanya, this is your home church. This is where you came into Pentecost and flash forward all these years later. And as I mentioned, right at the beginning of this broadcast, you two are the youth and hyphen pastors at your church. So tell us a little about where you're at and ministry and what you're involved with now. What does that mean when you say youth and hyphen pastor? Go ahead, Sister Tanya. <laughs> Sister Ta- Do you address her as Sister Tanya at home? I, I kind of have a hard time believing that. <laughs> um, actually, uh, so when I got into church, we I started in Sunday school um, because okay. I didn't doctrine. My pastor had felt right away, fresh in the beginning, hey, do you want to help with Sunday school? So I started helping with Sunday so school. It was a way to teach you. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly what his uh, thought process was. I started teaching children. And so I started to learn as a child about doctrine. And then later on, he started teaching with me. So we were doing Sunday school ooh, forever. And then... Um, what age? Can I ask what age? Everything. We did all the classes from... Oh, okay. So you went in different age groups and taught Sunday school for... Groups all the way up to preteens. And then um, it wasn't until he asked us to be... The youth and hy- youth and hyphen pastor. So basically, that's twelve to thirty unmarried. That's quite an age span, right there. Yeah. I mean, you're talking like seventh graders to, you know, single thirty-year-olds. Yeah. That's that is a huge span. But I want to I want to step back just one step. You were talking about doing Sunday school for Tanya. For you, did you feel that that helped ground you in in your own faith and your understanding? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I would say it sounds like that, you're, you're learning Pentecostal doctrine and then almost immediately turning around and teaching it to children, huh? Yes. I would say it was difficult to do the music, you know, the little Sunday school songs, but um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I'm a very avid reader. And so okay. I, you know, um, 
like I said, I when I got the Holy Ghost, that's I was doing witchcraft up until then. So I replaced my tarot cards. I used to keep them with me everywhere. And I replaced it with the Bible. And I would sleep with the Bible underneath my pillow. And I just really wanted to know the word. And so teaching yeah. Sunday was able to just expand that. And so I was oh. able to look at it through that, um, through doctrine, through a child. And it was very... Um, I don't know. It was just very uplifting learning it that way, not just shove down your throat kind of thing. So it was right. awesome. And because you had to be able to teach it, you had to internalize it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Gotcha. Gotcha. So now this, this 12 to 30 span, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge age group. I, I mean, I would think that you probably don't have, you know, a Sunday school class with 12 year olds and 30 year olds at the same time. Yeah. But so, so what does it look like for you in, in your local church now, um, as far as doing these youth ministries and these young adults, single young adult ministry? Um, I would probably say since uh, maybe since last year, we've um, taken one of the young guys that we've worked mm -hmm. with ever since he was a youth and we said, Hey, can you handle this, uh, this group of younger uh, kids the what is it uh, 12, to 12 to 14 12 to 14 okay like middle school age huh yeah, middle school yeah. age. So he's been handling that uh beautifully i mean just doing a very good job and then um we've been spending some time with the ones that are older and then when it comes to to hyphen age um right now with covid and everything we've had the opportunity to to do a whole lot of one-on-ones with them, but we've also had the opportunity to to just have it where we come together, just have the uh, have hyphen come together. I mean, COVID really has affected that whole dynamic, so it's uh, it's yeah, it has for everyone most certainly. This is yeah. how we came to have a digital campus and and the broadcast that you're on. Um, right. We understand that COVID has greatly impacted the way we not who we are. Right. Church hasn't shut down, but we've had to shift our methods, haven't we? Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you feel like during this time, especially, you're doing a lot more one-on-one. -on -one. I'm just curious, is anything online like we're doing, or you're just meeting in smaller groups with people, or how are you doing this? Um, what is it? So we've, we did the online stuff for a little bit. Um, I could say, let's say like for the younger group, the younger group does their stuff consistently um online and stuff but when it comes to like the older ones um we've been able to get together we've been able to to have some fellowships and been able to, yeah. to have some services and stuff like that and so it's it's gotcha. been one-on-ones and stuff we've done some stuff uh what is it facetime and and zoom and oh stuff. okay yeah different video platforms where you're yeah. able to interact with people and then we've we've also had some over we've had some where we've taken them out kind of kind of just duplicating the same thing that pastor did with us back in the day yeah, yeah. imagine that it worked for you so you're spending yeah. time with people and just helping to disciple them absolutely absolutely, absolutely. yeah and so I, I and especially now since I, I don't know if you've got if you guys had experienced the same thing but there are a lot of people that just felt lonely during this time felt really lonely and, yeah. and sometimes when you feel lonely like that you just want people to hear you out and so that's what we kind of had taken mm -hmm. the time to do was just to get with people and just let them talk yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. and just listen listen that's yeah. it yeah 
laugh and Absolutely. do. But, yeah. And and that's there's certainly value in that. That's important too. I understand. Gotcha. So we're we're coming to the middle part of the broadcast, and so Newark family, we're coming up on our question time. If you've got questions or things you'd like to learn more about with. Adam and Tanya Martinez. And again, we've got Erica on too. Erica, you can be watching the chat with me. And so you can help feed them questions as they begin to come in. Let me transition to another question as we're waiting for those to come in. I'm, I'm a little curious. Um, I'm from the Northwest, which is not a very churched area. It's, it's, it's very pagan, very secular. I'm up uh, Tacoma, Washington, up near Seattle area. That's where I grew up. Moved to yeah. California, met my wife there in Bible College in Stockton. We went to CLC and she's from Arkansas and grew up in the Mississippi area. And so my church background, you know, in the Northwest and, and her church background in the deep South and the Bible Belt, very, very, very different as far as what church looks like and how many churches there are. And I was thinking about you two coming on this broadcast and, and you're in Las Vegas. I mean, this is the area of the United States that brags on itself as Sin City. And so I would think Helping to grow a church in Las Vegas, Nevada, probably has some unique challenges. So, I'm just curious if you're if you're willing to show what um what does it look like to be in an apostolic environment and helping to grow a church in Las Vegas? Because I would think that for most of us, when we think of the part of America, you know, that certainly needs Jesus, but probably not the first place we'd think of as an apostolic environment, I'm certain Las Vegas is not at the top of the list. Right, right. No, um, I, I think one of our, our, what is it, our associate pastor actually hit the nail on the head when he said that the difference between Las Vegas and other cities is that our sin is first class. Okay. So, so, so not bragging so much on the sin. I mean, it, it just, you know, it, it's everywhere. Sin is everywhere, yeah. you know. Um, it's not just, hidden. There's there's exactly. no, there's nothing hidden about it. It's very out in the open, huh? Very in your face. Mm -hmm. um, you cannot drive down the street without seeing billboards of all, types of, all stuff, types of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's just <clears throat> out there. It's out there for everybody to see. There's no, there's nothing hidden. You can pretty much go to the strip and get anything anything you want down there. Um, Las Vegas does not have uh, legal prostitution, but there are churches in our section in a different county that do have it. So Las Vegas doesn't have it, but it's very frequent here. Um, very prevalent? Yes, uh, yeah. the consent age here is 16. Hmm. So that is that does put it into perspective. I think when we first moved out here, one of the things that I had noticed is that there was a lot of younger prostitutes and um, that you wouldn't see even in California. Um, and so that was kind of eye-opening for us. Uh, trafficking is number one out here as, as long, also with homeless teenagers. Yeah, That is number one out here. We're number one for those things. Um, trafficking because of all the conventions, it brings so much international. So that is something that we do fight here. Um, we do have a lot of backsliders that hide in Las Vegas. We've met so many backsliders. No kidding. You've met a lot of people who have Pentecostal backgrounds. Absolutely. 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 Myself, I'm, what is it? What I do in addition to, to being youth and hyphen pastor, I'm also a hospice chaplain. And so okay. I've had the, the, the chance to actually meet some of these, uh, 
some of these backslid people, you know, and when they come to the end of the years, they actually repent and, you know, want to get right with God. So, so I, I wanted to make sure I heard you right. You said hospice, not hospital. So you're talking end of life. So yeah. as a hospice chaplain, yeah, you're interacting with people as, as they are facing their own mortality. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, you know, we've actually had some pray back through to the Holy ghost and stuff like that. And it, it's, it's, uh, like she was saying, I mean, it is a, a place where a lot of backslid apostolics do come and they do do end up hiding and stuff. And uh, I mean, eventually it does come out that, that, you know, I want to get right with God and they do what they can to see God and all that other stuff. But um, I would say, let's say ministering out here in Las Vegas, our pastor said it like this too. He goes, um, if you're going to move to Las Vegas, you basically got to have a mindset that you're going to live for God because the city has a way of sucking you in, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. really has a way of, of uh, drawing a person to it. It's, uh, it. it's really easy to make money out here and stuff, especially, mm -hmm. especially let's say pre-COVID, um, a lot of the casinos, uh, casinos uh, provide a lot of employment for the city. And so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, it's really easy to make money out here. So. so if you want to be distracted, that can happen very, very quickly. Absolutely. Very easily. Very easily. There's, there's so much entertainment out here. So even with our young people, we're careful what not to have in, in our youth services because. You probably have to be very selective, huh? Yes. Right. Yeah. We have to hold certain, you know, there's just certain boundaries that we have to take because any, any inch you give, they can easily turn around and go to the strip and get something way, way more exciting to them. So we try to keep things very centered on prayer, um, the word, uh, sacrifice, things like that. Bible quizzing, we're very into that here. So um, our church has a Bible quiz program too. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know you're aware of that. Our our pastor's still on sabbatical, but I know that Stephen has interacted with you and and met you through the Bible quiz community. Absolutely. Yes. Erica, yeah. why don't you go ahead and yeah, begin to feed sure. us some of these questions. That All are right. So we have one question from Caleb Beardsley. Um, he said, in your experience, what is the best way to reach out and minister to youth? Especially where you're at. How do you connect with young people? How do you connect with young people out here in Las Vegas? I would probably say the best thing. I, I could probably say the best thing like all around is really the one-on-one -on -one thing getting to know people, really just slowing down enough to talk to them, hear where they are and just caring and being a friend. And, and I could probably even say them getting the sense that you're not there just to, just to get them to church, but you're also very interested on what's going on in their world. Isn't that interesting? That's not really that complicated, is it? No, uh -uh. definitely not. Definitely uh -uh. not. But it's just being there for them in, in all aspects. Um, one thing in ministry, you you deal with them with unchurched kids, you know, unchurched kids. You deal with families out here. We deal with a lot of young people that are actually in church and their parents have never been in church. Right. So we have our young people winning other young people uh, through P7 Bible clubs, through CMI. We have yeah. uh, some of that. So P7, if you're not familiar, is a, a program the United Pentecostal Church puts out to create Bible clubs and Bible studies at a high school level. And then CMI is Campus Ministries International. That's our 
denominations way of reaching out into college campuses but yeah so absolutely yeah so like she was saying <laughs> um what is it uh i don't know i lost where i was i would just say, say being intentional yeah um, intentional. just being very intentional making connections with people spending time with them yes these you are know, all very I, doable things yeah absolutely i i think about it like this let's say like this have you, any of you ever had a person come up into you while you were in a Walmart or in a Smith's and, and, you know, Hey, you're dressed very nice. You know, what kind of work do you do? You know, and then eventually go, Hey, can I introduce you to my mentor? Any of you ever had that? Never. Not okay. probably. I don't know. I can't speak for all our entire congregation. I've had people ask me about my attire and most certainly my wife, but the, let me introduce you to my mentor. Why don't you unpack that for us a little bit? Okay, so 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 they'll do that. Uh, let's say, like for instance, the other day I was at a Walmart, um, and this young man came up and he goes, "Hey, he goes, you're 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 dressed pretty nice." I said, "Okay, thank you," you know. And he goes, uh, "He goes, what do you do for work?" And I I told him. He said, "Hey, he goes, uh, do you like what you do?" And I said, "I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it." And he goes, he goes, "Okay." He goes, uh, "Would you ever leave it if you could?" I said, "No." I said, "Not unless." Uh, God had, had instructed me to, I said, but I'm happy where I'm at. And he goes, uh, well, if you're ever interested, you know, I can show you a way to make more money. You know, one of these, Oh, uh, this is what you're talking about in Vegas. This appeal. Yeah. To make more money. yeah. One of these little pyramid scheme things. And okay. so, so basically, um, if people get the sense that you're coming up to them just to, to market something to them. Yeah. You know, Okay, then, I see where you're going. Yeah, exactly. Then, then they can pretty much catch it. They could sniff it and and and, and uh, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But if it is that you're just really interested in the person, you know, that's that's what I've really found out has worked. Getting interested in the people that live around you, getting interested mm-hmm. in the people that you go to school with, getting interested, you know, just just talking to them. Yeah, go ahead. Another question. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Bring our, another question, Erica. Our executive pastor asked. She said, "Tanya, you mentioned cutting in your younger years. Can you help us understand what cutting is all about?" Um, I would say, well, the way that Erica and I grew up, we were told never to cry. Um, crying in our family was a sign Goodness. of weakness. Um, our dad was very staunch about it, very stoic. Um, he's a very stoic person, and so us being girls in a Thai environment, um, there was a lot of pressure on us to take care of the younger siblings. And okay, I would say to what? Is there a certain care. image you needed to conform to and high We're expectations able- for behavior? Oh, you just threw the Asian card. I, I wasn't going to go there, but since <laughs> you did. I'm totally going to go there. So, um, Everything is just high expectations. And our dad, because we're first generation born in the United States, there's mm-hmm. a conflict when it comes to culture. So his culture and our culture, American culture that we learned, we would always butt heads. And I would say that um, because I was never taught to cry, I was just a person that was very angry and we never had a voice. And so in my anger and not ever being able to have a voice, I would uh, you know, I was, I was dabbling in witchcraft already. So it's just easier to kind of show myself that I had feeling by releasing that 
the blood from your body because you say, Hey, I feel something. This is, this is real. This is a, a pain that I'm feeling. And so you would, you'd kind of connect yourself to the pain. Um, and obviously I was very deep into other things. So it was just easier to kind of go in the flow with the music I was listening to the movies that I watched. And um, it was an outlet for you to express some emotion. Yes. And I mean, I didn't do it where I was like cutting my arms. It was very private because, you know, we had to keep up with a certain image, but I was doing that very heavily, I think in high school. And um, after I got into high, after high school, then I got into the piercings because it's initially the same thing. Tattoos, piercings, it's the same way. It's cutting your skin and it's just trying to show some sort of expression of your feelings of um, instances in your life that you want to keep connecting to the pain because you're never able to vocalize it. So doing that was a way to kind of reassure myself, hey, you're real, that this is okay to feel this way. And um, that's that's how I started doing it, so. Thank you for being willing to share that. And so I imagine when you encountered Pentecost with these very expressive <laughs> emotional worship services, that was probably quite quite a shift from what you've described in, in the way you were taught to behave. Absolutely. I would say yeah. coming to Pentecost and feeling the love of God, um, I learned how to cry and a healthy cry. Um, and I learned and that it's okay that, to cry. Yes, absolutely. We learned that in counseling, it's okay to cry. Um, and to just express yourself in all different types of way when you're under the unction of the Holy Ghost. And so yeah. if it's laughing, if it's crying, if it's shouting, singing, whatever you want to do and dancing. I mean, it was, it's, there's freedom and liberty in that. Thank you for sharing. Erica, why don't you pick another question? Um, Sister Moss would like to know how many UPC churches are in Las Vegas and what district are you in? How many churches are in your area? Do you know? Uh, there's six churches in the Southern Nevada area. Uh -huh. um, and then we are a part of the Southern California district. Gotcha. Thank you for answering that. Here, I'll do one. I'll do one um, from the Allen family that, that Erica may avoid. Uh, do you have any interesting <laughs> or perhaps funny stories that you are willing to share about some interaction from this. childhood with you and your sister? I was waiting for this. She was <laughs> waiting for this to come. And if you don't want to, that's fine. But I, I'll oh. at least throw that opportunity Go out ahead. there. I'm Tanya's got some great Tanya Erica story from childhood. Um, it is violent okay? <laughs> you want to, do you want to tell that one? I'm not sure. There's several. Erica was a bully. That one. So immediately you two at least had some idea. I was a bully. I was a bully. Oh, Erica's owning bully. this. I was a bully. Definitely. I was. I was very mean to my younger siblings. Cruel. Yeah. Very, very competitive. Uh, she was a bully and um, I would say one instance that I think I kind of allowed myself to get rage-filled. Um, he was, <laughs> we, we had one bathroom that we all had to share. And I remember being in the bathroom and showering and she kept turning off the lights. And she would scream, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, because that's like a Catholic thing. And you're all scared that Mary's going to come out of the mirror and, and you know, kill you. And so um, I got really ticked off and she kept doing it. And I would jump out of the shower, get the towel and uh, turn back the lights on. And she kept doing it. I don't know. So I finally got out 
And okay, I have to pause this story. How old are you? Give me a, <laughs> an age. Middle school, probably middle school. Okay, so you're early teenagers, huh? Yeah, early teenagers. And she's only a year, she's only great apart from me. So um, she came in and she started laughing at me and, you know, taunting me. And so we lived in a 1950s home and in the home, in the bathrooms, they had those old heaters where you turn it on and they turn bright orange. Oh, and yes. The heat from it. Yeah. So I got mad and I, cause she was pushing me. So I grabbed her arms and I slammed her in it and burned her back. And then oh. I took off running and I was like, peace out, like, bye. And I, I got the worst beating, but I thought that was the best thing ever. Uh, I was like, You felt in that instance it was worth it, huh? Yes, it was definitely worth it to me at that time. <laughs> but um, she didn't really mess with me. If she ever messed with me after that, I would just sock her in the back. Yeah, no. I know. I stayed away from her. Now you sound like two brothers almost. <laughs> <laughs> we were very violent children. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the middle sister, so I would say I, you know, I'm the odd one out. I'm the kind of awkward one. So she was more sporty, more, uh, you know, just did her own thing. And I like to stay indoors, read my books, and leave me alone. I'm in my mm -hmm. own world. And she would always taunt me about it, so we would get into fights a lot. So she of, needed to play outside sports. Like, why not? That was my logic. <laughs> She needed to be outside like, with you. Why do you need to be in the books? Like, what is... <laughs> she knows my right. feeling about books. So, 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 Erica, you can breathe now. We did the obligatory, oh, we've got a family member on. Have them tell some story about you now. So we, we crossed that bridge. You can breathe. You can relax, Erica. Pick, pick another question. I'm fine. Um... This one is from Sister Meg. First, her daughter says that your name is pretty. Just okay. one. She's five. Um, what is the reason that you kept coming back to church? I realize that God draws, but is there something that church members did or didn't do that helped establish your walk in the Pentecostal church? Um, for both of us or just me? It's Why don't you both answer that question? Yeah, you could both yeah that's it. a great point. So. So um, I guess I'll start. I would yeah. say the fact that there was no judgment about my appearance. Um, people genuinely reached out to me, cared about me and loved me without asking me to change. They oh. let me take time in my own walk. And mm -hmm. um, my pastor was very adamant about letting me learn and at my own pace. And I learned really quickly because I was really wanting to um just grow in it so he never pushed me he never asked me hey you need to get baptized he never did any of those things because we were baptized catholic so anything that we did he let me do it at my own pace the church let me do it at my own pace so i think that was um was amazing to let them having them just keep me at my own structure you know, guiding me in a gentle way, um, obviously, because we grew up in a rough upbringing, and I was a rough person. So it was being gentle with me and being sensitive to my needs at that time. And so no one was pushing you, they were giving you space. Yeah. What you don't know, which this fits wonderfully is this week, um, in our small groups, we've been doing them online. Here's a quick little plug. If you're watching us tonight and you're not a member of a small group, we do have small groups that meet multiple times a month and do Bible studies and, and 
this season of COVID-19, we're doing it in a Zoom format like this. And so if you're interested in looking at one of our small groups and joining an online Bible study, you can visit our website at newarkupc.info. And you can click on the small groups card. And when you do that, there's a section that says online small groups. And you can read all about that. But this week we had our small groups and the Bible study lesson we were doing, we're working through a series right now on the balance of the spirit. And the lesson was on witnessing. And we were reading passages written by Peter and also Paul. And as they're talking about how we have a gentle and a respectful answer. And when people ask us about the Hosanna, and I just, I think it's great that you're talking about this church environment you came in where people were kind to you and respectful, but they also gave you space and no one was pushing you. And it's, it's almost like that's a scriptural principle and it lines up with the word of God. And so as these people witnessed to you, they were kind about it. And that's part of what drew you was their kindness and that they gave you space. And it wasn't a judgment against you, which was our Bible study lesson before then about how, as we work with the spirit, we have to be careful not to judge those on the outside. And, and, I think it's wonderful that you're describing how that's what you experienced when you came into this church. Excellent. How about you, Adam? You had mentioned that for a while, you know, as a younger child, you were in an environment where it was Pentecostal. And then in your teen years, you you stepped away from that. And so now as a young adult, as you so mentioned yourself, you your life is spiraling out of control with parties and drugs and alcohol and other things. You realize I've got to change this. I got to do something different. And so I can see how that would draw you back to God, but what drew you to this church in particular and kept you coming back to this church? Um, I would say because it, uh, what is it? As I had mentioned earlier, like it was, it was very, very familiar to what it was like for me when I was a boy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then let's say even the, the attitude and the spirit of the the pastor himself, um, he, he just took his time with you, you know, he took his time with you, took his time to understand you and stuff. And when it comes to like the church itself, um, I mean, it's, it's still a great church. Um, still just, just beautiful people. Um, I, I think the thing that's extra special about it though, let's say like, like you guys were talking about just allowing a person to grow organically, Mm -hmm. you know, things to just kind of, uh, unfold in their life. Um, yeah. Sounds like you were drawn for some of the same reasons your wife was. Absolutely. And it had a lot to do, not just with the pastor, but the congregation itself. Right. Right. Definitely. So, so let me pastor for a moment to our congregation. and, And I hope you're receiving this to those who have ears to hear. Yes, we have a pastoral team here, but we are not the only ones involved in the work of the ministry, and we are not the ones who reach everyone. And so your interactions and and your kindness to people and you stopping to visit when we have guests at church or new people and you just simply take time to listen as they talk, it's a huge impact. It's, I would say, an incalculable impact as we have the opportunity to witness and so we, we need all of you, all hands on deck. Everybody's involved. And it's not just a pastoral team that draws people or the spirit that draws people, but their interactions with everyone. And I appreciate you two being so open about that and how in your church environment, it was the church family and their kindness to you and their gentleness with you that kept drawing you back. 
That's excellent. Erica, why don't you pick another question? Um, there's two more questions. I want to see if I can get to both of them. Um, one is from uh, Brother Desi's wife, I would assume. Uh, what advice can you give to families that are reaching out to abuse children or children in really rough environments? I think it kind of depends on the the dynamic of the situation. Let's say if it's a person reaching out to a family member, uh -huh. um, let's say if they're reaching out to a family member, uh, a big part of it is, again, loving on them. Mm -hmm. uh, loving on them and I, I think caring about them before converting them, I guess to say, you know, although the- We're Back the, to that relationship piece again, yeah, huh? Yeah, although, you know, there, if I was to be honest, there, there is a little ulterior motive and that's, uh, that is, you know, I, I want them- Well, maybe to, not ulterior, but a secondary motive. Secondary yeah. motive. Yeah, exactly. Well, well said. Very well said. I'll change my, my, my verbiage from now on because he just, that was beautiful. I like that. But, um, <laughs> but I, I would say, I would say, let's say when it does come to family that, you know, caring about them in the first place, um, when it comes to other people, let's say like, like other kids, um, that you're not necessarily, Pretty much, I guess you do what you can, you know, you do what you can, you understand your limitations, you understand their uh, familial limitations, and you do what you can. Um, you do what you can in terms of loving them, you do what you can in terms of, of bringing them to church, you do what you can in terms of, of uh, uh, in a relational fashion. I would say being for them, being there for them emotionally. Yeah. Um, can you expand not, on that a little bit? But being there if they just need someone to talk to, to kind of weed wow. out. Um, a lot of times kids, young people, like I had experienced before with myself, they just want someone to hear them. Uh, there's mm -hmm. so many voices on the internet. There's so many voices that they hear, but they want someone that's genuinely going to listen to them. Even if what they're saying is out of, out, you know, totally out of the, out of, you know, character or, whatever they do um, is just understanding their situation and listening to them, kind of picking where apart what they say and looking at what they're really trying to say to you because they're talking and they're hurt, they're talking and they're pain. And sometimes things for them are magnified, but yeah. it doesn't mean that their feelings are not justified. That's one of the things that um, we've had explained to people is your feelings are real, regardless of what they feel like they're real to you i might not understand it but you still have real feelings so mm. let's work well those and oftentimes what you'll what you'll find out let's say like if there are people that in that are in those uh you know they come from a rough environment or something sometimes just listening to them allows for them to sort through their own stuff huh just just being willing to talk to people and listen you haven't said anything radical tonight. I love it. These are things we can all do. We can be kind to people and be gentle and have an ear and let people talk to us and learn to listen. Absolutely. Wonderful. Erica, you said we had at least one more question that you uh, wanted there's, to get to? There's two now. Um, okay, this one's real. This is, goes to me and Tanya. Well, and Adam too. Um, have you been able to witness to your parents 
How do they feel about all the wonderful changes God did in your life? So Erica, uh, you want to go first? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and if you don't feel comfortable sharing, that's fine. I don't really have anything to say about that. <laughs> uh, I would say for me, um, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. And so when I first came to Lord and really wanted to seek the Holy Ghost, the first thing the Lord told me was you need to forgive your father. And that was like the roadblock. That's, I really couldn't get the Holy Ghost because I was not willing to let that go. And when I finally did, the Lord said, I asked the Lord, well, how do I respond to my father? How do I act around him? And he basically told me, you need to be a daughter to him. And so I allowed him to be that father in my life. Um, and I accepted him with all his quirks, with his beliefs. I didn't push my beliefs on him. And I would say that he's seen the change in me. Um, he's seen the change in our marriage. And he likes the way that we raise our children. He likes our involvement in the church. Um, he's very open and supportive of that. Uh, same with my mom. Uh, she was a little sad at first that we didn't go back to a Catholic church, but she had told me before, um, you know, I would have liked you to do certain things in your life, but I love that you serve God. And um, it may not necessarily be how she wanted me to serve God, but she loves that. And um, she respects that she loves, she's come to the kids Bible quizzing tournaments. She's made her way out there when we have to go to California so we've been able to do that um, with her. So that's been good. So you're, even if it's not ideal or where you wish it is, it sounds like you're describing that at least your relationship is different now than it was. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes both parties. I think that when you come to God, you have to allow God to work out your yeah. anger, work out your pain. And you're never really able to witness when you're constantly thinking about that pain. So allowing them and forgiving them, allowing them to see you uh, free from all those hurts is something that witnesses more to them than, hey, I, I want to talk to you about Jesus all the time. Well said. Well said. Adam, with your family, do they see a change, something different in you? I would think so. Yeah, I would say, let's say like with my, my dad and stuff, um, he's, he compliments and comments on it uh, quite often. And oftentimes I'll get on the phone with him and we'll sometimes talk about the Lord for, for a number of hours. I mean, he himself uh, doesn't necessarily go to, go to a church or anything, but he's, he's open to, but he'll talk to you, but he'll talk to me. Yeah, absolutely. There was even a time he, uh, he went online and actually wanted to see me preach and stuff. And so he, he did that and he was just very excited. Oh, mijo, I'm so proud of you. And, and I love the way you guys are raising your girls and the way you guys love each other. His son, the preacher, huh? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. But, yep. That's and then Erica, thank you for sharing that. You said we had one more. Yes. Um, it's from the Allen family. Can you tell us any memorable times or moments when you saw God at work while in Vegas, which this is probably from Joyce because it's serious. This doesn't sound like an Antoine question. Her no, husband. it does not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give Antoine the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was, but are you willing? <laughs> and we're getting to the top of the hour. 
are you willing to share a story? And you can be vague. I mean, we don't want to interrupt anything with people's personal details, but time where you, it was a wow moment. You certainly saw God at work in the life of someone in the environment you're in. At, at work? No. Uh, at God at work. You saw God at work in someone's oh, life in, the, in this Vegas environment that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, oh, there. Share with us one story, just one incredible, even for you, it was a, I, I could not have seen that. That's incredible. Look at what God's doing. Okay. So there was one day we were looking for a dresser on Craigslist. This is, this is before offer up before all of so that. So you're just looking for a piece of furniture. Yeah. yeah. Looking for a piece of furniture. And uh, she saw this very ugly one and she said, baby, it's ugly and it's overpriced. And I said, okay, that's fine. She goes, but I found one that costs uh, less, but it's, it's beautiful. I said, well, great. Let's go after that one. And so she contacted the person, left the message. The person never called her back. Um, and she said, well, nobody's called me back. I said, well, try that other one. She said, but that thing is so ugly. She goes, but for some reason, I feel like I need to get that one. Huh. And so she called. And uh, the lady picked up, uh, long story short, the lady actually lived around the corner from us. So right? she was close to you. She was yeah. very close to us. And so we got in our van and we were driving over there. She got off with the girls and I, uh, I was getting out of the van and the Lord goes like this. When you get out, of, when you get in there, I want you to ask her if she has the Holy Ghost. And I said, okay, Lord. So we go in That's there. a pretty specific question to ask a random stranger. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And so we get in there and, you know, we see this lady. I mean, her she's just jacked up. I mean, just totally messed up. She's got uh, Jose Cuervo bottles all over the place and, you know, just, just all this crazy stuff. And I said, have you ever had the Holy Ghost? And she's looking at me and she said, she goes, why do you ask that? She goes, I, I was baptized in Jesus name before. And she goes, as a matter of fact, she said, I'm selling this dresser because I'm actually clearing out my, my condo and I'm getting ready to sell it because I just got done have, uh, going through a divorce. And she goes, and I have cancer and I was trying to decide right now if I was going to go back to New York or if I was going to go live with my brother who's a United Pentecostal Church preacher in Texas. And she said, and I think I know what I'm going to do. And right there, we were able to pray with her and, and so on and so forth. And yeah, so, so got at work. So we bought that ugly dresser. We bought that ugly ugly dresser. <laughs> we still have it, but we, we don't use it. it. Yeah, it's we smelled, don't use it. It smelled like smoke, but yes. I think we drove home just weeping and understanding how much God loves. You bought that dresser so you could pray with that lady. Yes. Yeah. And she was able to sell her belongings and basically go back to Texas with her uh, brother, who's a preacher. That's incredible. I love hearing stuff like that. Thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to share that. We are a few minutes past the top of the hour. Thank you so much, Adam and Tanya, for being willing to join us tonight. Erica, thank you for being willing to put yourself out there and kind of co-host with me tonight and allow a sibling on the broadcast with that semi-danger in the background that maybe she might share something. But I appreciate you joining us as well. To our Newark family, thank you once again for joining us. We love doing these Friday Night with Friend broadcasts. We're so glad that you could be on tonight. Special shout out to Allie, who I met last night at Small Group. I saw her commenting in there in the chats as well. Allie, we're glad that you joined us again. If you are not familiar 
our church website is newarkupc.info. On that website, you can find information about prayer requests. You can find information about small groups, as I've mentioned already. You can go to our media page and you can find different series with Bible studies and lessons and all kinds of things we've done over the last six months during this COVID-19 period. You can submit a baptism request if God's dealing with your heart and you're ready to be baptized, reach out to us and you can do that through the website. And We have ways we can get in contact with you and we can help you get baptized. If you just wanna partner with us in giving, if you're already a member of our church, basically anything you want to do to connect with us in any way, you can do that and find the information for it on our website at newarkupc.info. Thank you for joining us in our evening broadcast. We will be broadcasting again tomorrow night starting at seven. You should have received an email from me earlier today newark family this upcoming week starting tomorrow we are going into a conference week and so tomorrow's broadcast on saturday and sunday's broadcast they're a little bit longer than normal they're going to be some conference style messages we are confident that you're going to enjoy them and then all next week tuesday wednesday thursday and friday those four days in a row is our united pentecostal church international general conference and they are broadcasting those live every night and so for us on the east coast that'll be at 7 30 you can find information on our website and you can find information in the email i sent you god bless you all thank you for joining stay strong church family stay committed stay encouraged we're in this together and god is definitely at work thank you so much and have a good night <music>